Hello everyone and welcome back to Knowing Wheel episode 94. Yesterday, of course, it's our tribute show to Pascal Verlein, to probably about the six of you listening out there that remember him back in Formula 1. I'd honestly still argue he's probably the driver I'd most... or up there for a driver I'd most like to see come back into Formula 1 who didn't get a fair shot. I think it's That's got to be the record for the fastest tangent in this podcast. That is insane you've managed to rant about Verlein already five seconds in. <laughs> oh, well, I haven't even introduced you yet. No. But you just, you just button in there, apparently. <laughs> but I want Pascal Verlein back in Formula 1. I think he deserves a shot. Yeah, I would agree with you. But hello, everyone. I'm here. Uh, since Pascal Verlein's <laughs> got more of an introduction than me this week. So... <laughs> That has got to be, I think, one of the sloppiest intros we've ever done to the show. But, you know, we're 2023, we're, you know, we're still trying to get back into the new year, aren't we, Jamie? We've got a few things to talk about today. Of course, as is always the case with the show, you know, we do a podcast. We know we record on a Monday, it goes live on a Tuesday. And then I think it was last Tuesday morning, uh, Andretti and Cadillac confirmed, or it, was, it might have even been last Monday night, wasn't it, mm. that they were going to be teaming up. <laughs> it was certainly within 24 hours of recording one. that there was massive F1 news about 11th team dropped. Uh, classic. It's just always the way, isn't it? I mean, have you actually seen as well, we'll, we'll discuss it in just a moment, about, I think it's Panthera as well, that I are apparently going to try and enter into formula one so yeah of course let us know then down in the comments below what other exciting news you think will have come out before the show <laughs> goes live but after we've recorded because there will be something crazy uh, that gets confirmed tomorrow morning but yeah let's jump into it then jamie cadillac and andretti teaming up for 2020 well we don't know when yet probably 2026 indeed and we obviously have heard rumblings of andretti coming back or sorry coming to Formula 1 as a brand new well, team. Kind of um, coming back, isn't it? Bringing an old name back, yeah, it's a bit weird. A bit like the Team Lotus back in the day. But um, yeah, it's good good news all round for F1, apart from for the 10 teams, because they're always a bit uh, negative towards this kind of thing, because it basically means the money gets shared a bit more thinly. Um, but yeah, for everyone else, it looks like they're gaining credibility, which is good news. And hopefully nothing blocks their path to Formula 1. So you're all aboard getting Andretti in, are you? Absolutely. Get him in. Another American team. Fair enough. We we could do with another one, could we? I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? And I know we, we've spoke about it before, but it amazes me still that Haas don't completely, completely just go all out American in yeah. Formula 1, especially with how much the sport. It feels like they're missing out on a huge marketing opportunity by not just doing that. Especially with how... It's like they're 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 ready made to be that team with Gunther Steiner at the helm, like the the oh, colour scheme. Gunther Steiner, the famous American. No, I know he's not American, Italian. but the whole attitude of the team seems to be like traditionally American, which hopefully isn't a stereotype that I shouldn't have said. But I can't work out what stereotype you're trying to make. It's like super brash, like here we are, we're gonna beat everyone with like no like just brute force i don't know where i'm going with this but you know when you think of a typical like traditional americanism Haas could fully go for it with like logan Sargent, uh the other one um <laughs> who's the Hurt, yeah. new garden <laughs> oh well, he's still around? New- okay fair enough he's still around yeah bring well, back yeah. scott speed i say scott speed bring him back yeah it, it could it could be massive for Haas, but i guess that maybe is one team that is a bit annoyed about andretti coming in because their american market or their 
like stranglehold on the American market might be loosened a little bit by a second team and also by Logan Sargent being in the sport as well they they have a few more choices than just to go for the one American team there is yeah and I mean obviously we, we've we've tried to speak about Andretti there and immediately have gone back to Haas yeah but from their <laughs> perspective of course you know they might oh no they've already said haven't they they want to try and get an American driver in whether you know that would be a Logan Sargent or a Colton Herter or a Joseph Newgarden uh, like you said we would have to wait and see but yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it, of course? Because as fans, you know, we want... I mean, in the perfect world, Jamie, how many teams would you have on a Formula 1 grid? Uh, I think basically between 10 and 12 is the ideal. I think you obviously F1 back in the day had, like, no regulation of how many teams could be in F1. So you'd have all of, like, pre-qualifying and all of that rubbish and you had to be within a certain it was 107% wasn't it to qualify for the race and yeah you could have I don't know anywhere like up to 35 40 cars like talking about 60s and 70s and it was it wasn't good for the sport overall because it just wasn't high caliber teams and drivers and yeah it kind of dampened the essence of the sport but since I don't know the the early 90s I would say like when the teams got a bit more serious and you kind of got rid of all the dross apart from Andrea Moda um, for a bit but since I mean the 80s and 90s were the worst generation for just having absolute garbage you kind of have like (laughs) one or maybe two obviously we had the three teams at once in the 2010s early 2010s but it's mostly two that are kind of a bit cut adrift which is a shame but the more teams you add the more likely you are to get like three or four or five teams that are just cut adrift which is not what you want at all so i think yeah 10 to 12 is kind of the happy medium um yeah yeah and of course you know we've still got this maximum haven't we of 13 teams 26 cars on a formula one grid and you know formula one has really tried to steer away i think you know they're so against having you know a hrt back in formula one or you know a caterham or a a manamarusha to a mm. certain degree as well so you know that 200 million dollars that you have to put forward to formula one that you know of course some of that does get paid out to the current teams as well uh, which i think you know softens and sweetens the deal slightly but it is just the other things isn't it you know we sort of talk about the prize pot you know this is why no none of the other teams want a new team in formula one it's for two big reasons isn't it one the prize pot gets diluted because you're sharing it out between 11 rather than 10 and two I think there's still some big genuine fear between you know the likes of Mercedes, um, Red Bull, Ferrari, that Andretti could pretty quickly be the real deal. Yeah, yeah, and it's all well and good. The likes of Mercedes have always been typical of saying this kind of thing, and Red Bull in the last year as well. They're always saying, oh, we want more competition. It's great if Ferrari and Alpine and McLaren can be up there. But then as soon as a genuine threat comes at them that they they have some doubt if they could beat they're like no we don't want them anymore ultimately they want to win and competition is not what they want so yeah if Andretti do come in and suddenly they Mercedes Red Bull think they're going to be good and good enough to start battling at the front that's uh, a bad sign obviously and they, they will want to put a stop to that yeah yeah exactly and of course even going back to you know the prize pot and things like that you know there's I've, I've already seen a couple of you know hints towards other teams going well everyone could get the same amount of money as they already get if ferrari got rid of their historic bonus (laughs) yeah (laughs) but 
there's there still seems to be this belief that and i don't know about you jamie but there's this belief still isn't there that if ferrari didn't get that bonus anymore that they would still pack their bags and go home and i'm they not convinced you no well the thing is no, exactly the i watched a video a couple of years ago um which i don't know if it's still is the same as it is now but the historic bonus isn't just for ferrari it's for all teams that are over 25 years old as their I think it's 25 years anyway it might be less um but that that's all the teams apart from Haas because it's in all their guises there's if they're two, over 25 years there's two separate ones I think although there's technically it's bizarre the way F1 prize money works and of course we yeah, won't go yeah. fully into it today but Ferrari automatically get a bonus that means no matter where they finished I think they're guaranteed to earn at least the second like even if they finished last they'd still earn the second most out of every team. Uh, Williams also get a tiny bonus in comparison, which I think is known as the heritage bonus. Mm. Um, And then, to be honest, I was unaware of any other teams apart from the six-year bonus. Is it six years? Maybe it is. I think it's six years, so even Haas now are going to be onto that in Mm. 2023, where it's just based on your average result at the end of each constructor's season over those last six years which of course every team now is getting as well so you kind of think Williams probably desperately need that money but Ferrari really you know, don't. If, you're, <laughs> if you're in the FIA and you're sort of looking at it you know Ferrari of course you know they came from a 500 million dollar a year budget a couple of years ago to 135 million that money's not just disappeared of course some of it's gone into the LMDH program and things like that and their wages but, are still separate to that as well exactly the wages are still separate but surely you think even if you were at risk of losing Ferrari, Audi, Porsche, Cadillac, Andretti <laughs> <You> need them. <laughs> does kind of balance it out a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, a little. And yeah, obviously, uh, we've seen in the past the FIA are basically run by Ferrari or ex-Ferrari personnel. Um, but that kind of, I mean, it still is the case in terms of personnel, but they don't seem to have them in their pocket quite as much as they used to. So yeah, I wonder if someone's going to pull the trigger at some point and just confront ferrari about getting rid of this money but we'll have to wait and see yeah it is i mean i don't think it's going to happen well we'll say this now and it'll happen tomorrow yeah, this is the breaking um, news ferrari, that happens will, ferrari will leave the sport yeah <laughs> before tomorrow <laughs> but you know there's been other talks about haven't there about cadillac and andretti of course andretti the first big <clears> hurdle <throat> was proven that they'd have 200 million to get into the sport they proved that teams kind of squashed their hopes and went we, we're not interested the FIA then said, right, you've got to have manufacturer backing. So they've turned around with Cadillac. And I don't know whether you noticed this as well, Jamie, but of course, you know, that was absolutely the biggest news in Formula One last week. Nothing about it on Formula One's website. Mm. Nothing at all. Yeah. It's still quite clear the way Formula One feel about it. I think it's it's a bit bizarre because I did see some um, articles from uh, Mohammed bin Sulaym the FIA president, who basically said he's really surprised by the the negative reaction from the teams. Like, he doesn't know why the teams aren't more open, which, I mean, obviously, we, we've just explained and expanded on the reasons why the teams aren't more open. But it's, it's good signs, for me at least, that uh, the FIA president is a fan of having a new team, even if it's yeah. going to take a while for that to trickle through the FIA and into the teams themselves. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it is, it's difficult and it does already feel like there's a bit of a grudge match going on. I mean, it is quite funny if you go through his tweets 
Uh, half of them just seem like uh, notepad rants yeah. on Twitter, which is quite funny, to be honest. But, you know, I, I, it is quite good that, you know, we've got someone vocal and it does genuinely, you know, when you get moments like that, it does feel like he's genuinely there for the fans of the sport as well, rather than just making sure that the teams are happy. Um, sometimes, sometimes he makes dodgy puns at the award shows and things like that, but that was still uncomfortable viewing looking back. <laughs> Um, but there's yeah, there's been this talk, hasn't there, that are Cadillac just kind of going to be a placeholder name that Andretti, you know, a bit like Alfa Romeo with Sauber, isn't it? Mm. You know, they haven't really actually <clears throat> contributed a lot other than just being a title sponsor. Well, yeah, it could basically be like a Trojan horse for Andretti getting in. They told them they need to get a constructor, so it's like, here you go. And they're not actually going to do anything. It's just, like, lip service, basically. But um, that could be the case, like, in in a few years time they could find a different American manufacturer or maybe just like get rid of the manufacturer and go back to like what Salva have intermittently been just a like an independent works team um, but yeah we'll have to definitely wait and see I, I don't see like you know with the likes of Aldi and, Aldi and Porsche like you kind of see um, for rumblings for ages of those kind of manufacturers wanting to get in you haven't really had that with Cadillac it's kind of like came out of nowhere so maybe that's a sign that they don't want a Formula 1 project of their own, but they're happy to back someone else's. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? I think whether... I don't know, of course, whether it's the same in the US as well, but I think in Europe, we kind of just view Cadillac as this big SUV brand that does nothing else. But they're on the LMDH hype train. Let's Mm. not forget that as well. And their LMDH car does look incredibly strong. You know, I'm very, very excited for Daytona 24 when we see a few more of these cars running in more serious fashion. Um, you know, they're, they're really trying to rebrand themselves at the moment. And I think Formula One could be a fantastic avenue for that. And will I be turning around and picking up a Cadillac anytime soon? Probably not. But, you know, we, we did see this brand shift with Mercedes, didn't we? When mm. they came back to Formula One, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Mercedes weren't really that big of a car company outside of Germany. Of course, they were still very big. (laughs) But the way they've been able to turn it around using Formula One branding has been nothing short of a miracle Mm. over the last 10 years. Yeah, definitely. They're they're so much bigger now than they were in 2009 before they joined. And that is, yeah, in some degree down to Formula One. And maybe other manufacturers are picking up on that. Yeah, exactly. Interesting times ahead. So, Jamie, let's say then, as the big news tomorrow, that we're <laughs> both in a coma, we wake up in 2026, we do episode 95 and knowing wheel, will we be talking about Andretti Cadillac on the grid, yes or no? I optimistically think yes, actually, which is a, a nice surprise because F1 is usually very negative. Yeah, yeah. The amount of times we kind of talk about a team... And then just nothing, nothing <coughs> happens from it, which yeah. leads us on nicely, I think, Jamie, <laughs> to Panthera, the other company that want to try and make it into Formula One. Have you heard much about this? I hadn't heard about it until one of my mates mentioned it to me when I was at the pub last week because we're British. I, I don't believe that story at all because you don't have any friends. Um, okay, fair enough. Especially not at the pub. But there we go. I mean, this new story <laughs> screams USF1 or Stefan GP. <laughs> Honestly, it's weird so, though, isn't it? Because yeah. so what, I'm now having to just read an article about it just to make sure that I've got my facts correct. But 
They, they want to be Panthera or Pantera. I don't really know for sure. Pantera Asia Formula 1 team. Now, Asia again is another. I mean, we spoke about this last week, didn't we? About where could replace Shanghai for the Grand yeah. Prix. There's a huge, very big potential Asian market for Formula 1 still. You know, if we get a proper all-out American Formula 1 team, why don't we also get a proper all-out Asian Formula 1 team? Yeah, it's definitely a market that F1 want to, like, it makes sense to try and pursue because it's huge. There's billions of people that are basically untapped potential in terms of Formula 1, other than a few countries where, obviously, F1 went decades ago. But, um... It would definitely be a big opportunity and it would be something in the interest of the FIA and Formula One generally to expand in that area. And they've been doing so with drivers. Obviously, you've got the likes of Joe, who's the first Chinese driver, um, Sonoda. Obviously, Japan's had quite a heritage with like, the likes of Kobayashi and Nakajima, Satoru and people like that. So, yeah, I think it's definitely an opportunity they would they would try and do, but I think they've got to wait for the, the right time. And maybe... A completely independent team with not much credibility is not the right time no no but i think you know the fia formula one they'll probably do a lot of rigorous checks because again you know like we said they don't want a usf one they don't want a hrt uh, back mm. in the sport so i feel like again if you if you can afford to put that 200 million up front even if you have a couple of really bad years to start off with, you are, you know, sort of three, four seconds off the pace. If you've got that cash flow coming in and you've got that access, maybe there's still a bit of hope that we could get back up to 24 cars in the future because it's quite important as well. Uh, Panthera have said they're not trying to fight Andretti over one seat on the yeah. grid. They want to fight with them for two seats on the grid or four technically, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And it would it would be a like a big thing for f1 if they had an all-out asian team because obviously we've had honda uh in the past and toyota it's japanese teams but outside of japan i'm not sure like there's never been a kia formula one team for instance so <laughs> yeah it would be it would be big if if a team from asia outside of japan could make it that would be massive i mean there 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 are still speaking of that subtle things here and there and again you know this could uh, we don't sort of know a huge amount like i said about panthera hyundai you know they've they've owned an art there's there's been have, quiet yeah. rumblings around the place and hyundai i tell you what are doing magnificent work elsewhere still at the moment it would not surprise me if you know they kind of ended up in a relationship similar to cadillac and andretti down the line you never know you never know you just simply never know but Let's move it on then, Jamie. We've spent a lot of time talking about potential new Formula 1 teams, another big news of the week. One that might have gone slightly under the radar for a lot of people uh, was Portimao. don't know if you saw this. It's been a little bit cheeky over on the Instagram. I think it was yesterday at the time of recording this. They posted out a message. Let me see if I can just find it again quickly on my phone. Wishing Lewis Hamilton a happy birthday, but also saying rather well some would say cryptically some would say absolutely just trying to make it obvious that he's the only winner of the portimao grand prix so far <laughs> that's With an a absolute classic face. social media manager having an absolute laugher um yeah i've i've have heard a little bit about this because uh yeah i'm thinking of going to a grand prix which maybe i can't go to now i don't actually know so portugal could be one that i go to instead um 
but yeah that's up in the air so i had heard a little bit it logistically makes somewhat sense but also for the planet it doesn't <laughs> we kind of spoke about this last week but to what's the race after is it it's Asian, Azerbaijan. It? yeah it's baku so to go from australia completely across europe to then go back completely across europe yeah i mean obviously the, the whole calendar could do with the reshuffle but this is just a another like tip of the iceberg i guess that doesn't really make sense logistically logistically if i get the words correct um but in terms of suitability for an f1 race we know it's got good history good recent history as well it's it's a good track drivers love it good facilities and yeah why not and you never know i could be in portugal in a couple months time hopefully should we go should we go portuguese grand prix we'll do no one wheel on site we could we could live after show <laughs> we will yeah we'll do a live show as the race is going on yeah <laughs> um but yeah i think if i was a betting man now though i'd be putting my money on portamao you know again there's still this thing isn't there about how china still want to host a grand prix next year because covid rules are constantly changing um yeah. so formula one has kind of been backed into a corner where they either try and get a race to replace it or you try and work out a way that you get a race that was later on in the year to fill that gap that Shanghai could then potentially fill that race's slot. <laughs> um, but then you'd have to try and then get Portimao to potentially fit that race if Shanghai still can't host. So it, it's all a bit complicated, but at the end of the day, you don't go up against the CCP. Um, it is a know, bit of a logistical you know, nightmare. Um, and China crazy. still... I think it's a good sign they're still in a race because for a while we kind of thought they were on their way out. And I, I hope for f1's sake and for the chinese fans sake that they do they are able to run a race again in the future whether it's 2023 or beyond we'll have to wait and see yeah exactly and especially with joe guan yu on the grid it feels like yeah. there's even bigger of a reason at the moment to try and really push for one once again um talking about other things though jamie we've got two more car reveals or car reveal dates even uh, to go through they are mclaren and alpine now, of course, McLaren, I'm pretty certain, is going to be confirmed at the MTC like it is basically every year. Uh, yep. But Alpine, they've they've confirmed their car reveals going down in London, which was quite a surprise, at That's least cool. to me. Yeah, I I don't really know why. They usually do Viri or Endstone or both. Um, but yeah, Alpine traditionally do like a, a stock style car with not... But obviously, we're not aerodynamicists, so it doesn't really matter to us. But... Um, yeah, uh, McLaren usually is the real car, so that'd be the kind of the first, uh, I, well, first confirmed so far date of us seeing a real 2023 car with all of its uh, bells and whistles, and we can watch other people tell us what all of them do because all we can do is look at the colour <laughs> and go, oh look, it's orange like every year. Um, but there'll be, uh, yeah, we'll get videos out for them hopefully, um, as long as one of us doesn't book a holiday or something, which I haven't told Matt about yet. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, McLaren, their car reveal is going to be on February 13th. Of course, then we've got Ferrari on the 14th. And Alpine is on February 16th, which I don't think... So McLaren, yeah, does overlap with Aston Martin. But uh, Alpine looks like they've got a free date as of now. Um, uh, the other thing we kind of wanted to speak about then, Jamie, wasn't it? Uh, before, before we wrap up the show today, was... You know, we're starting to look in towards 2023 now, you know, most things are kind of, you know, apart from the actual cars and the pace, 
Now, a lot more things are kind of getting set in stone. Three drivers under pressure then as we head into the new season. We've, we've kind of, you know, we spoke pre-show, you know, just having a bit of a look through. We've picked out three names that we think have really got to try and deliver in 2023. Jamie, give us give us the rundown. Yeah, so we, it feels like we made, made one of these lists last year. I think we may have done, or at least mentioned it in 2021 as well. Um, maybe mid-season that was, but every time we do this, it feels like we mention uh, Yuki Tsunoda, who is the first driver that we think is under pressure this year. Um, along with that, we've got also a Joe Guan Yu, it pains me to say it, is probably going to face a bit of pressure for that Alfa Romeo slash Sauber slash Audi seat. And also, if I remember the other one, uh, oh yes, Sergio Perez at Red Bull, of course, having a bit of heat from the third driver, although if Ricardo's just there to earn money and have fun, then maybe not. But we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, I'll start off with expanding a little bit on Sonoda. Um, yeah, obviously, Torosso slash Alpha Tauri have always been an absolute pressure cooker for young drivers. And Sonoda feels a bit of a placeholder at this point, kind of like we were saying about Gasly. But Sonoda is, in my opinion, worse. Like, he's kind of never really kicked on. Obviously, he's going to his third season. Traditionally, uh, Torosso slash Alpha Tauri drivers get three years to develop and if he doesn't deliver this year i think it could be curtains for him sadly um because yeah it's it's been a while and they're a very impatient team helmet marco is a uh, a tough operator to work under so hopefully for yuki's sake he's able to pick it up and really kind of put devries in the shade which is what he uh, could if he does that i think he's safe but the way devries came into williams and delivered fairly well obviously it kind of was the perfect storm of that weekend as we've said before but if Sonoda loses to De Vries, I reckon Red Bull slash Helmet Marco will kind of be like, why are we messing around with this guy? And they've obviously got Liam Lawson, yeah. etc. coming. Exactly. Coming and I think this is this is the thing, isn't it? You know, when you sort of look at Yuki Sonoda's time, uh, it's been very, very weird of kind of the perfect storm and also like bizarre as well, isn't it? Uh, he, he kind of he's had like the absolute quintessential young Red Bull Junior career, yeah. but also in like a completely wrong way. So you know, ran a decent Formula Two campaign all the way back in 2020, wasn't it? Now that seems yeah. like a worryingly long time ago. All of a sudden, um, you know, finished third that year, got promoted up into Formula One. One of the three rookies to, of course, get promoted up ready for 2021. Delivered fantastically in his opening Formula 1 Grand Prix, but then kind of admitted throughout the entirety of that year that he wasn't quite prepared, ready. You know, he could have done with a second year in F2, you know, build up his fitness and things like that. 2022, he definitely spent more time a lot closer to Pierre Gasly, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then it's kind of maybe been a bit lucky that Pierre's gone to Alpine, so he's kind of taken up that senior role, if you will, within Alpha Tauri, but I think unless he comfortably puts De Freeze away, it really is a case of seeing what those F2 drivers do, isn't it? Yeah, obviously F2 is traditionally like a breeding ground for Red Bull young drivers. Like the amount of, I think there were seven on the grid last year. It's probably going to be at least, you'd imagine five again this year. You've got Lawson in Super Formula, which is generally Red Bull's favoured thing for drivers to do in the gap between F2 and F1 if they need the gap. We saw Gazzy do that. Uh, Van Dorn did it for McLaren, not Red Bull. Um, 
if he does well in Super Formula, you never know for Liam Lawson. I'm still backing him for the AlphaTauri seat, uh, even this late. Um, so yeah, if yeah, Yuki's got a lot of pressure and a lot of a lot of competition for that seat. Hopefully, the likes of Dennis Hauger, um, the guy in F3, uh, what's his name? Ben. That guy in F3. The guy who came like second in F3 was a Red Bull young driver, I believe. Uh, oh, uh, not Jack Crawford. The Zach Crawford, He's... you mean? Zach no, it is, it is no, Jack. It is Jack. It is yeah, Jack. Sorry. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> F three twenty twenty two. Google's gonna sort me right. I know it. his name. I know it because he was the one that crashed at Monza, wasn't it? Zane Maloney ruined his own qualifying. Was it? Oh no, I, that was not. Oh, was Isaac Hadjar, the Red Bull. One. Yes. Zane Maloney yeah. has got to move up to F two, but I can't remember who he's with. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think there's no, definitely Maloney a lot of pressure, well. isn't there? Maloney now yeah. is Red Bull. Yes, he wasn't at the time. Yeah, uh, that's where I was getting a bit muddled up there, but yeah, I think Yuki's got a lot of pressure coming from the junior formulas and, like you said, super formula as well. I loved it as well. I saw a fantastic thing a couple of days ago talking about how funny it is that Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda, which one you'd guess has raced in Japanese super formula, yeah, uh, it's quite <laughs> funny when you think about yeah. it as well. Um, but yeah, like obviously Jamie briefly mentioned, though, Zhou Guan Yu is our second driver we feel is going to be under pressure during 2023 uh you know like jamie's obviously spoke high praises of him throughout the entirety of last year and certainly you know he definitely did kick on a lot better than i think a lot of people you know even at the start of the year myself included i will openly admit joe guan yes. did a lot better than i thought you would eat that humble pie season. lie on camera jamie's jamie's gonna have that clipped everywhere <laughs> um but it still doesn't feel like he's home and dry yet though does it as we move into 2023. Not quite. He's got to prove himself again, Bottas, once more, because there is still a feisty Frenchman who I think is again racing in F2 next year, aren't they? I believe Theo Porcher is indeed going into his third season in F2, but is still only 19 years old, um, which is pretty Mad. crazy. Mad. And obviously Salva Jr. Think... Yeah. Yes, yeah. And I think, you know, Theo Porcher had such an unlucky season last year in F2. Came runner-up, but obviously was trounced by Drogovic, but certainly shouldn't have been trounced by Drogovic. You know, whether it would be safe to say he lost the title due to reliability, I think might be a bit too high praise, mm. but he certainly should have been in the championship fight. You know, Drogovic shouldn't have been able to walk away with it yeah. with a round to go. And F2's that all that momentum as well. Like, his momentum was screwed yes. many times by reliability. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, Zhou Guanyu, I think, is again going to have to be looking over his shoulder. Uh, towards the lower formulas but like jamie said though sergio perez might have to be looking over his shoulder within the red bull team which is quite rare isn't it nowadays we don't often think about third drivers being the threats anymore yeah um obviously daniel ricardo was kind of shuffled out of mclaren in quite uh i thought the word like magnanimous i'm gonna say that's a word i'm not sure if it is magnanimous magnanimous that's the word <laughs> um fashion <laughs> Um, thank you, Matt, for that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's obviously gone to Red Bull as that third driver. Rather than reserve, because Liam Lawson is still the reserve driver, Ricardo is just the third driver, which means he gets to do show days and do donuts in Paris and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's a bit bizarre that they've got a driver of his caliber, like Formula One race winner, like at one point not even that long ago like end of 2020 he, people would have had him in their top fives like probably of that year and top fives generally as well so but he finished top five that year didn't yeah he, he did he came fourth in the championship or was fifth sorry i no, thought Perez it was, was behind Perez, yeah. to be honest yeah yeah 
So the fact that he's now not got a seat and it actually is within the Red Bull team, like that's very bizarre and it's probably quite uncomfortable for if you're a certain Red Bull second driver. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if Ricardo will do enough like sim work and practice work and stuff like that to get back in but like he still got the desire he he was very open about the fact that he it was it hurt to get kicked out of f1 so he clearly wants or hopefully he clearly wants to come back um and if he puts the work in within red bull doing all the the sim work and all the, the necessary stuff you have to do and perez doesn't have a good year if he's again like the traditional six tenths off max which is pretty poor for a teammate um then yeah there's no reason why they wouldn't put Ricardo back in and just kind of go full circle back to 2018 um, and hopefully it works out a bit better this time but I'd imagine well Max has come a long way since then so hopefully uh, it wouldn't be quite as volatile as it was yeah it's difficult isn't it because I don't know if you saw this as well a couple of days ago but Gunther Steiner actually confirmed that he did reach out to Daniel Ricardo about a seat for 2023 I mm. think Ricardo was their first choice instead of Nico Hulkenberg to replace Mick Schumacher so it, it does really make you wonder whether Red Bull have sort of gone, look, you, you sit this year out, you, you prove on the sim how close you are to Max still, get Checo out at the end of his contract, you might have a, a top seat again in 2024, and that's all that Ricardo's really after. Would he match up to Max Verstappen anymore? I don't know for sure. But I would say crazier no. crazier things have <laughs> happened in the past. He was yeah. pretty... He, he did beat him in 2017, wasn't it? Yeah, with but Max's of course Max was DNS. still like 13 <laughs> by then um, I feel like he could still be very close to Max though and you know if we see Mercedes push on in 2023 you know if we see Ferrari get their act together they might need a driver that's that close to Max again rather than sort of a half a second six cents off like you mentioned yeah yeah and I think Max would prefer having Daniel back just on a personal level but I don't think he's going to lose sleep over it if Perez does stay as his teammate to be honest because he'll probably trounce either one of them in my opinion um, I think yeah the, the other big question isn't it is still will we see the revenge arc of Sergio Perez in 2023 absolutely not <laughs> do you, no, don't get me wrong I don't think he'll beat Max I'm not, say, I'm not suggesting that for a second but could we see him you know if he's told to let Max buy a bit more could we see him go actually you know what lads I'm alright yeah, I think we could see that a little more, but if he does do that, he's even more at risk of Ricardo coming for his seat, to be honest. So he yeah. might play his cards safe. Very, very true, Jamie. I think we've gone through everything we needed to, though, today, if I'm not mistaken. I believe we uh, have. I mean, uh, so final question then, Jamie, to round out the show. Red Bull's 2024 lineup is going to be Max Verstappen and... Checo Perez. Oh, okay. That was not genuinely the response I was expecting. Yeah, I I was tempted to go Ricardo, but that would come back to bite me oh. on a clip somewhere on YouTube. In I'm going to say time. Ricardo. I'm going to say Ricardo. <laughs> I'm going to go out there now. Uh, but yeah, thank you all as always so much for listening. If you have enjoyed, please do make sure you leave a like, get yourself subscribed. You know, if you're watching this on YouTube as well, uh, please do click the links down in the description. Check out our other social media pages. We're trying to do more and more various things uh, with No One Wheel as we head into the 2023 season. You know, for those of you that have followed on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, it has been greatly appreciated so far. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming out 
over the course of the year. But thank you all so much for listening, as always. And we will be back next week with episode 95. We're getting closer and closer, Jamie, to that 100th episode. It's going to be quite a special one. 